Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1310 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you in the middle of September as Atlanta Hawks training camp nears. We're about a week and a half away from training camp, and you're listening to part two of the conversation that I had with two panelists. They are Andrew Kelly and Tyler Jones, two friends of the podcast. Andrew writes for Peachtree Hoops on occasion. Tyler is an occasional and I would say regularly recurring guest on this podcast. And uh, for the first time, we had both of them at the same time. People were kind of asking for that. And uh, part one is available right now on the same podcast feed. So if you missed part one, go back to the beginning and listen to all that stuff as well. Some Jarrett Culver thoughts from me at the top of the podcast. But without further delay, you'll have the intro and then we'll be back with part two with myself, Tyler Jones, and Andrew Kelly. You are locked on Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Andrew, I got a question. So, I mean, we're talking, I mean, we're talking all good about all the good basketball players. (laughs) Here we go. DeAndre Hunter. And we're off. Where does he fit on this team? Like, because I want to, I want to be optimistic about DeAndre Hunter, and I feel like maybe if they play at a faster pace, he'll be able to take advantage of mismatch opportunities more consistently with, against an unset defense. So maybe that's where where he can find his offense. But he's going to have to. Where where does what what does it look like to you for DeAndre Hunter to find consistency? Because I think that's really the bigger issue with him more than even his upside or or like his overall play. Like he's how do you see him being more consistent uh, considering like DeJounte is going to be on the team? He's the clear number two now. Uh, before I answer that, one last thing I wanted to say on Akongu <laughs> and Capella is it's interesting for as much as we think of them as being similar and maybe even redundant in some ways, they're pretty different in some key areas. Like we know the rebounding, but Capella is obviously very strong uh, defending around the rim. Like that's where you primarily want him. Whereas a Congo, you can use him more switching. So I think he fits very well with uh, DeJounte for that reason. So even though I think they are pretty similar and, you know, archetypally at least, their defensive styles are pretty different and I think complementary. So I think that's like a real strength of the team that is perhaps undersold at times. It's like they, they have two very good centers. Um, but for Hunter specifically, I think that consistency just is a lot of different things for him. When he first came back to the team, he clearly just didn't have synergy with everybody. I mean, it makes sense because they had a deep playoff run. Um, Bogey and Herter are just very, like, complementary style players. You know, they don't have have the ball for very long. They make quick decisions. They're good shooters. Like, it's easy to to fit those kind of guys around a high-usage ball handler. But Hunter, you know, even going back to Virginia, like, he he really likes to get into his isolation games when he has time. And that can throw off the rhythm with everybody else. And – when he wasn't able to do much in the off season because he was rehabbing his injury, it didn't really surprise me that he looked rusty. And then he wasn't able to kind of play through the, the lack of chemistry because he got hurt again right after. So I think that's pretty key there. But the main thing that you really want to see from him is just building his game off the catch. So catching and shooting, catching. And when he has a tilted defense with the closeout coming towards him, he can pump fake and then get to his mid range shot. So just picking his spots better, not really forcing things, I think is like what you really want to see from him in offense and just all around better finishing at the rim. Like that's really got to come up. Like he's got great length. He's too athletic to not shoot competently at the rim. And they really need that too, considering like the rest of the guys they have 
aren't great there. Like Murray's very good there in transition. He's not quite as good in half court. So they really need him to step up as a half court finisher at the rim. I wonder, you know, I wonder how much the rule changes um, of foul drawing affected him because in his breakout year, a thing that he was doing a lot was the James Harden uh, up and under move. And I don't think refs respected him enough to give him that call. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he's refereed going forward, because I think uh, the refs kind of pulled back on the stringency of their calls. And like, they, they kind of started giving James and Trey young in particular uh, those calls again. So it'll be interesting with that, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely finishing. Like he's got a, he's six, eight, two twenty. Yeah. I mean, it goes along with the rebounding too. Like that's the thing about he's got to be more physical overall, which I think is part of it. The finishing is part is a huge thing on offense. The rebounding we talked about ad nausea, but he, he's got to be better there. It's just using his phys. I, he's he's huge. I mean, if you stand next to Donnie Hunter, I can't I can't explain to you how big he I'm is. He's huge. Pretty sure he's about he's bigger than uh, John Collins. Like, I mean, if anything, they're they're similar they're size, similar if nothing size. else, and and a combo as well. Like he's. He's like prototype, like small forward, like exactly what you want. He's he's huge. And to go back to the offensive thing a little bit, like I can't remember who talked about it. It was was actually, it was actually, it was a national show. It might've been real jam or one of the ones that I think is, it's a smart conversation. And it was kind of like with Hunter, everyone knows now, I think people that are paying attention know he's the swing guy for the Hawks in a lot of ways. He's not better than Trey Murray, obviously, but he's the guy that's, they kind of have to have him be good. But also there's like, what should his role be on offense is an interesting question because I think, and I've argued this, that it would have been better. It would have been better in a vacuum to this point. If he was just a pure, like catch and shoot tiny role guy for the team, because he just would have been better in that role. But also he's kind of too good to do that in some ways. Like he has enough juice where he obviously doesn't want to do that. Like that was the case in college. They, they don't want him to only be that obviously as well. Like Nate has embraced Hunter as more than a small role catch and shoot for indie guy. But like, where's that balance is really intriguing, especially now with Murray. Like you guys brought it up, having Murray on the team, there's in theory, even less usage to go to Hunter, you would think. So like, where is that middle ground? Because I'm not arguing he needs to be Tony Snell and just do nothing but shoot threes. But at the same time, he's not proven to be good enough to take usage away from someone like DeJounte like John Murray as a primary on-ball guy either. So it's like this really interesting balance that he's going to have to find as part of his, you know, hopefully, what's going to be a breakout for him is because you got to just kind of figure out what he's going to be. He's not a tiny role guy, but he's also not going to be a primary guy. It's weird right. middle ground. I think like to begin with, he needs to focus on the basics, like I said, like catch and shoot, catch and go, catch and go, do the do the right things first. Just but, stop, Don't stop the ball so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But for the team to unlock like the highest ceiling, they, they do need him to reach a level uh, as like a one-on-one score. Uh, we, we saw, we saw previews of that at times, like over the summer, I've gone back and I've watched some of his breakout season and it's like stunning how different he was than what we saw last year. Like how much better and his handle was like how much I, better I'm, he was at getting to the mid range. It's shocking. Like you, you watch some of those clips. I, I, I was on like, Brad, we were, we had a podcast about DeAndre's hunger's hot start. And I was like, yeah, this is sustainable. He's just blowing by, like he's blowing, he's going through guys. Like and the, and the handle, like I know, I, yeah. I know Andrew said it, but like his handle from year two to year three was night and day in, a, in, in the wrong direction from year two to year three. Like he just, he couldn't yeah. handle the ball last year. It was weird. And that's the thing at his size with the defensive focus, that's going to be on their two guards. Like he's going to get more favorable matchups. 
So that's what they really need to unlock in order to be a long-term contender, honestly. Like maybe they could trade for a player like that and it doesn't have to be Hunter. But for this version of the Hawks to be like a perennial contender, I think he does have to unlock like a, a relatively high level of like isolation scoring. And he's shown flashes of it at times. And he's a good mid-range shooter. He just has to be able to get to his spots consistently. But I, I think he could be a really good mismatch scorer. And that's where I think the Hawks do value him a lot. Um, so I think that that's an area of his game that we really like to see more of. Oh, Nate loves a mismatch. I'll tell you that right now. Nate, Nate, uh, that's one of Nate's favorite words in the world is mismatch. He loves, he loves it. Uh, without Gallo, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe Hunter gets those, gets those touches that they would be running post ISOs for Gallo in key moments. Um, I know, I know, I know that's always a fan favorite for everybody when they do that. But no, I, I think the big thing it really is like him being decisive early in the year would be nice. The skill stuff as well. Like we talked about the, the handle. I think maybe him being healthy again, kind of like Kongu, a little bit different, of course, but him having a full off season to be healthy, hopefully, and improve his ball handling back to where it used to be. And maybe hopefully better than that would be big, but like just not be, not being a, a constant ball stopper because one thing they can't afford him to be is that like, he's not good enough to do that, especially on a team with Trey Young and Jante Murray. Like he's got to make quick decisions. Um, and that's not the way he's just the way he's a pretty uh he's a pretty I'm not even sure what the word is, like almost like a robotic player in some ways. That was one of the knocks on him coming out. Yeah, also, he is. also one of like the pro things about him coming out was like, look, he looks like he knows what to do. It just takes him a second. He's not the he's not the most natural processor, I don't think. And that's maybe why he's not the greatest passer in the world. He just kind of it's very plotting and like the way he feels things not the yeah. way that he's physically he's got all the tools you would want but Coles wicker like once described him as playing basketball like he's reading from a manual i mean it's kind of true i think that's i mean cole's very smart uh r.i.p cole in the public space but um no i think that's that's right I, and i we've seen it though you guys both mentioned it like the, the the flashes and it was a small sample yeah but like his his year two flashes were real like you watch those games and it's like a different it's a different guy entirely and that's kind he of the prototype so much more confidence as well like, yeah I, I do think I do he was hurt last year too. And we should say yeah. I've done a bad, I've done a bad job. Like always I've said it before, but I should say it more often. Like he was not healthy last season. Like his wrist was not healthy. And I'm sure that was at least part of the, of the ball handling stuff. Like he's had, and you know, that's maybe a different discussion. Like people always ask me, is he injury prone? I, I don't use that term until it's warranted. We're not quite there yet. I don't think, but like that is, I think part of why he was not, particularly good last year was because he wasn't healthy and we'll see what that looks like now you're hoping that he's healthy again after a full off season but that's part of it too for sure i mean he did play all 82 his rookie year like that was like one of the positive things that he did i, I think i think it was all i think it was all 63 that year but or whatever but oh, yes geez, that's right. <laughs> that was the uh, that was the short that was the shortened season when they were not very good but yeah but like deandre just like the physical confidence that he played with because i i thought it also showed up defensively like he was just such a more physical presence on the defensive end. Granted, he wasn't, he still wasn't getting blocks and steals because I, I just don't think he has the, uh, he's not quick twitch athlete. So he just doesn't have like that. He doesn't have like the hand-eye coordination to really. Yeah, that's not coming. I mean, I, I think maybe it could be a little bit better, but any thought of like him being this terrorizing, you know, playmaker defensively is not happening. That's you're hoping that he makes a little bit more there, but he's always going to be what he is. He's more of an on-ball guy than an off-ball guy. It's just, it's just kind of yeah. what it's going to be. I, think. I was looking at the stats too, from uh, his breakout year and half of his shots were like self-created attempts that year. Like it's, it's so, it's so different from how you would expect from him. And he shot 52% on self-created shots or 52% effective field goal percentage on self-created oh, he, shots. He, he loves the self-create though. He, he, he loves that. I mean, I'll tell you like, and I appreciate actually like the confidence he has, like it, it dates back to Virginia too, but 
I always thought he was an underrated shot creator as a, as a prospect coming out because of Virginia and he didn't score a ton of points. They were playing so slow and all that stuff. Like he really does think a lot of himself and, and not in a bad way, in a good way. Most of the time, like he thinks he can get to his shot. And I think he can get to it. It's just whether he could get to it consistently enough and make enough of them because they're not the easiest shots. I mean, there's a whole different discussion to be had. Maybe we could do some other time about like mid range and like what the value of that shot is. But with Murray, on the roster who loves the mid range. We saw the Hawks last year take a lot more mid range shots, both Trey and bogey and, and Herder, all those guys are taking more mid rangers. Like they might be emphasizing that area even more this year. When you throw in Murray and maybe more of Hunter, like that's going to be a spot that may yeah. drive people crazy, but it's, it's take a lot of it seems, it seems pretty natural. It's just shot profile is just, it's based more on tendency than anything. And players just rarely change those. But one thing is like our, our friend Glenn Willis has at times made a comparison of sorts of like Jalen Brown for Hunter. And he's not saying that he's going to become Jalen Brown before like anyone gets too carried away, but there are some similarities. Like Jalen Brown started off as mostly a play finisher. He didn't have a good handle when he entered the league. And then when he improved that <laughs> to like solid levels, I mean, I know he still gets a lot of criticism for it, but go back and look at him at Cal, you know, he's way yeah. better than then. And he improved it to levels enough with his strength that he was able to unlock like a self-creation level that propelled him to being an all-star level player so that's kind of what you're hoping with hunter like not necessarily that same outcome but something you know in that world at least you know so like something on at that level where he's able to leverage his strengths and his his mid-range shooting uh to to become more effective as a self-creator We'll have more with myself, Tyler, and Andrew in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is BetOnline. Football is here in a big way. BetOnline is the number one source for all of the pro and college football batting needs that you might have, along with the information that you definitely need this season. Find all the latest developments across the football world. That includes game matchups and news and podcasts at BetOnline, and that includes also everything you need for the weekend slates in college and pro football. BetOnline is a continued source for all the wagering information you need across sports. That includes live betting esports and live scores and bound lines the fastest and easiest way to consume every sport that you might be interested in on this show we focus on the nba for the most part there are plenty of futures out there still right now between season win totals and conference odds and division odds title odds playoff odds, and even individual award stuff at this early juncture in the calendar and beyond the NBA. BetOnline has odds and lines on baseball and MMA and boxing and golf and tennis and auto racing and horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. Head to BetOnline.net right now and your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. I just really wish he'd self-create more three-point shots because, like, yeah, I do wonder if that was I wonder if that's coaching too. Like Nate's not the most uh push guys to shoot threes coach either. And, and Hunter's tendency is not to do that too. So it's like a combination of two things, and they're both kind of that last game against Miami. I know that's what I was about to say. He was letting them fly. <laughs> he was he was stepping back like and was, I love that. I mean, different. go ahead. I mean, and that's the thing. He's he's a good enough shooter where I'm not sure those are good shots, but I kind of like the I, I like the aggression. I, I'd rather have have him shoot those shots than shoot. 19 footers a lot of the time i mean it's a bad this is a bad comparison but it's, it's the josh smith thing like everybody used to focus on josh taking threes and the real problem was josh taking 19 footers and like it's not hunter's obviously a way better shooter than josh smith but like that's maybe that's part of it too like maybe he just wants to like look in his career he has taken i'm looking at this now per hundred possessions he's been averaging about between six and seven three-point attempts per game that's not i mean sorry per hundred possessions that's not terrible but he should be taking nine or ten I think. I mean, he's taken about as much as a power forward, which he's 
he's too good. Like he, he just needs like to me. If you're gonna make take self created, take those steps. I I don't mind a step back three pointer, if the if it's on balance. You know, Cam Reddish would let it fly, but DeAndre is a smarter basketball player than that. Like I feel like I feel like there's a lane where he can take. Like I. I like I wonder if he's watching other guys. Like like take he's not going to be a Desmond Bain type shooter, but like really see how Desmond Bain attacked, um, attack getting to his three point shot with his pump fake. Because I think DeAndre actually has a deep like he's got a good pack. Like he his two K package <laughs> is pretty good. Uh, to use yeah. a term I don't care for, but like he does have a good two K package. But the problem is, it just takes him so much time to process. So that's where I go back to. If the Hawks want to play faster, can they get swing him the ball to where the, either the big's not in the lane or the defense isn't set or the, it's an unbalanced defense and he just, you know, turns his he he goes he turns his brain off and just you know go gets after it like uses his size uses his strength consistently because like if he does that and he's if he's the guy that he showed to be two years ago. I think the Hawks are comfortably contenders because then you're throwing out a lineup of five all-star caliber players uh, to use a Cleveland Cavaliers term, but you're really throwing out a strong, <laughs> you're really throwing out a strong starting lineup. And you're really throwing out a uh, plus bogey and a, a, a Kongu. Like that's a tough seven. Um, yeah. The, the, the top seven is scary. Yeah. And if it, you can get Hunter to, if you can get Hunter to be in the class of the rest of his teammates of those other, other of the other six guys, Plus improvements from Trey Young. Well, like maybe we can talk, maybe or maybe not talk about that. But like, <laughs> I really think that's where that's where the optimism, if you're a Hawks fan, should come from. It, unfortunately, it hinges on DeAndre Hunter. And what scares me about DeAndre is that, yes, he was hurt, but guys are hurt all the time. Capella and Collins have been have were dealing with real injuries at the same time, and they figured out like. Even a Congo was during his rookie year, like good basketball for players when you're when you're ha- when you're limited physically, figure out a way to play in such a way that you're still not you're a positive to your team in some way. And like I I was really di- disappointed that when DeAndre either wasn't feeling well or didn't have it going, he kind of shut down on both ends of the floor. And like that's what they can't have. Like they can't have games where he's three of eleven but he's not playing with the level of physicality that they need because because his shot's not falling. Like that's the, that's the hurdle he has to overcome, even taking aside, like, like, you know, being healthy and all that. He really has to get to that level where it's like my shot's not going, but I'm still going to have a good game because I'm impacting in different ways. I think if he's like a top 100 player, then that makes you a good team. Mm-hmm. And then if he's a top 50 player, then you could be a contender. Like that's really what it comes down to for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. And I think that that point that Tyler just made is a, is a great one because the counter, like, yes, I agree with the ceiling thing. You need Hunter to make a real big leap to be an actual, like, contender contender. But even in the short term, they could be a 50-plus win team if Hunter just brings it every night on both ends of the floor. Like, Because even defensively last year, he's still a, he's a good defender, but he sh- he didn't play that well defensively last year in my mind. Like he, he should be much better than he was last year defensively on top of the offensive struggles that he had as well. So like he's got to do the little things 
whether it be rebounding better or just defending more consistently, um, being more physical, like we both, like we all talked about earlier, like getting to the rim and finishing through people, getting to the line, and the rest of it may not get there. Like he may not average 18 points a game or whatever it's going to be, but like he can be a really effective player with everything else that he you has. Can be, you can be one of the best players in the NBA and not be a high point per game scorer. Like that's like no, that's that's, bla- that's blasphemous. You can't say that, Tyler. It's not allowed to say that. That's Sorry, uh, not, not with these 2K ratings. <laughs> I, I did the whole. 2K, I did that for you. I did that for you the other day. 2K rating segment, just for you. I, I'm, you know, Brad. When you said it's funny. When you said Tyler's favorite topic, for some reason I didn't think you were going to talk about 2K. For some reason I thought you want to talk about. Did Brad like watch an anime or something? What's going on? Yeah, I'm about to do I a full anime segment of the podcast. I um, was actually excited, uh, <laughs> but no. Then you then you said 2K ratings and like. The pit in my stomach, because that game is such trash, and that series is such trash, and I hate it so much. Hopefully, they're, they're not, not, not going to sponsor the podcast at any point. I'm not, I, you, you don't, you don't speak for me. Because uh, I, I had to work on his uh, no, emergency no, podcast. I, no, man, I grew up in the golden era of, of sports video games, and like, it's super disappointing what if, what it's become. But before I forget what I actually want to talk about, I do think something that could help DeAndre Hunter defensively is, you know, defense isn't an end like. Team like defense, you one you need the players and you need the talent, you need the personnel, but you also need the communication. And so I think something that I think DeAndre uh, Dejounte Murray is going to bring is just talking. Like outside of Collins and Capella, like the perimeter players don't talk ever. And maybe if Murray can step in into that uh, more of a leadership, a vocal leadership role, seeing as what he's doing in these proams. I mean, he's going to be talking one way or another. So, like, I, I do think, like, team-wise, if they are if they have better communication as a team and they're defending as a team, because that's that's really what the good defenses do, like, even beyond just having the individual talent. Like, you've got to be able to communicate as a team. And so, like, hopefully, like, with, with Murray in the fold and all these veterans like Justin Holiday, you know, in the mix, maybe that'll, maybe that'll spur this team to really – up their um, defensive intensity on a game-to-game basis. But that's that DeAndre Hunter and their team defense are the key because I'm not – I mean, there's small concerns about the offense because, you know, Murray's not a spot, good spot-up shoot or he's an okay spot-up shooter. He's not what Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich are, are as shooters. But, like, I'm not concerned about the offense when Trey Young's in the mix. Like, he's just – he's a brilliant player. Like, really, to me, it's like how good can they be defensively when Trey Young is on the floor? Because they can't – it can't continue to be the Hawks are eight point percent points per possession better when Trey sits. That's it. Sh- it should not be that bad. Like it, Trey, Trey's a bad defender, but like defensive rating is a team metric. Like it should, like it, it has to be better. Um, or like, and it can be better with the inclusion of Murray. So like, we'll, we'll see if like, you know, Trey brings more on that end of the floor, but like, that's really, like their defense is really what's going to see what, what their record is going to be during the regular season. There's still more to come with myself, Tyler and Andrew on this podcast. But first let's talk about Steph Curry or Kevin Durant, or perhaps LeBron James or Luka Doncic, maybe Jason Tatum or Giannis or Nicole Jokic, or even local favorite Trey Young, who is always in the mix on this podcast. Who is the most valuable player in the NBA this season? Locked on and bet on Lapras at the NBA top 50 most popular player list starting on September 19th. Find out all about it at locked on NBA, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. 
I was going to ask you both about the defense. So let's just do that now. Like, you know, obviously there's always more talk about the offense. They were really good on offense last year. How the, how the fit's going to be with Murray and Trey natural discussion points, even nationally. But um, I'm wondering just building on what Tyler just said, like how good they can be on defense as a whole. And like, you know, clearly they were disappointing last year by any metric. They were bottom five in the league most of the season. And even with some talent issues with Gallo and Trey, they shouldn't have been that bad. I think we kind of probably can all agree on that. So like with Murray um, on, on board now, and with Gallo not on board now, uh, what do you, I guess we'll start with Andrew. What, what do you make of this defense? Because we all know the offense is going to be really good on some level, whether it's number two or number six in the league, however you figure that is. But like, how good can they be on defense with this group? Because you still have to play Trey, to Tyler's point. You're still a little bit small at times. But like, if everything goes well, I mean, the personnel is better for sure. I think they're going to be a middle of the pack defense. I mean, even with as bad as their perimeter personnel has been, when Capella has been healthy and effective, they've still had an adequate defense. Like it, it hasn't been quite as bad as the numbers say to me, just because it, it's been very contingent on Capella's play. And Okongwe really hasn't played a lot, the, the, you know, the, the first couple of years of his career. So I think having very strong center play, like 48 minutes of very strong center play is a huge floor raiser in itself, even before you get to the Murray edition. Um, you're adding one of the, I mean, one of the best hands guys in the league in Murray. Um, so you have a, a much improved structure. Everybody in the starting lineup, except for Trey is a good defender, at least to some level, you know, I would say Collins is a moderate positive. Uh, Hunter is very tough to evaluate. You know, it's, it's hard to say how good of a defender he is. I mean, his, he's more of a, a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser on D, but Murray and Capella, like that's, they have a very good structure to me outside of Trey. So they're well positioned to try and hide him more this year. So I think at least with the starters, the defense is going to be good. Um, they've tried to tilt that way more with the bench too. Like Justin Holiday is a good defender. Um, we've already talked about a Kongwu. So when you look at their rotation overall, they're not going to have very many poor de- you know, defenders in there. I mean, Jalen Johnson's a huge TBD. Uh, Trey, we can't expect too much from, from, but overall, like I, I think they have the ingredients to be a middle of the pack unit. And when you look at what the case is for this team, it's, it's basically that you could have a top five offense that just be middle of the pack on defense. And, you know, if you, if you have those two things, you know, you could have a 51 squad if it, if it pans out like that. So I'm pretty optimistic about the defense just due to uh, the shift in personnel and on the perimeter defenders and just having one of the strongest uh, 48 minutes of center play. Uh, let me float this question to you, both of you guys. Like, why can't Trey Young be a high steals guy? Um, you know, I think he, he actually has, could do that. He has the hands. He was pretty he good at that. He has the college. instincts in passing lanes. Yeah. And he was good at it in college. Like, can, can DeJounte Murray unlock something where he's active as a help defender? Because I really think that's really what's killing them. Like, he's very much, even off the ball, like, it's he's very much uh, to he's like he's like Neymar or Messi or like <laughs> a soccer player who I mean you're supposed to play defense but like yeah. he just doesn't give anything on that well, he's likely it's in the playoffs and then all of a sudden he's challenging Ben Simmons at the rim for a key bucket well I was gonna say honestly it's like annoying he he does this thing where this is too simplistic but like he'll have a quarter every once in a while where like we'll be in Slack talking about it and like, wait, was Trey pretty good? And even in that quarter, we'll go back and watch it. He's like, yeah, he was pretty good. He's like, he'll have these spurts of activity where he's not changing the game on defense, but like he's, it's not like he's physically incapable of being a helpful defensive player. He's never going to be good, 
But but he's a great like for his size, like he's a great athlete. Like, and, he's, and, and his hands are really good. I mean, that's the thing. His when he when he gets his hands in there, they are helpful. He he's has a good he, anticipation. Yeah, and he's really smart. Obviously, he's really smart. That's another thing about Trey is that he's a basketball savant in a lot of ways. Like he fills the game so well. He knows where to be. Like that's the thing. A lot of guys defensively, the number one problem is they don't know how they don't know what to do. They, they, and they, they just don't have like the processing ability, especially bigs that you see that you see struggle. Trey right. is a brilliant basketball player. He, he knows where to be. It's just that he doesn't always give that juice to actually get there. And he happens to be six foot and a half inch and 180 pounds. <laughs> so it's like he's that's also, a bad combination. He's likely to have his best defensive season this year, too. Just with, with the personnel around him. I, would I think. think Murray is also just the type of player and the type of personality that I think he can demand, make demands of Trey. So I, I expect him to commit more on defense, maybe not substantially, but perhaps noticeably. And the margin of error is like pretty small for him. Like it's, it's very hard for him to be impactful with his size. But if he's just getting more effort consistently, like making rotations, I mean, all you're really looking for is just for him to not be like, you know, a bottom 10% defender in the league or bottom 5%. You know, if he's just, a bad, but not the worst, you know, like that's, that's, that's really good enough for them to be a, a good defensive team. I mean, but like, this goes back to my point where they need to play differently. Like they need to be a high steals team. Like, I mean, they should be, you know, up there with steals with, you know, the inclusion of Murray, you know, Justin holiday in the fold as well. Um, and even Jalen Johnson, if he's alive, uh, you know, <laughs> this, this is a team that should really be attacking passing lanes, really attacking, you know, using your bigs, because you have super mobile athletic big men, they really should be playing less conservatively and more really taking it to defenses. Because, I mean, Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe and um, Kevin Pelton on the pod last week, they, they kind of talked about it, how like their their defensive profile, like their shot profile was actually pretty good. Or, you know, it was fine. Like it wasn't top, you know, bottom five worst defense in the NBA bad. It was it was like solid. What was killing them was that they just don't generate turnovers ever. And they they became a mediocre rebounding team due to injuries. Um, so I I to me it's like if they can get trade to be committed to being on, on the defensive end, like being a be a more a part of the team on in that aspect, I think they can really push to be even better than just middle of the pack. But but we'll see. And like the concern, like if, if there is actual concern between Trey and DeJounte Murray, we've seen during the regular season that Trey Young doesn't actually take criticism that well amongst his teammates. Um, where if, if somebody says something to him, he's very much in the mode that I want to prove a point. So I'm just going to shut it down. And what game was it where he did that last year? And I, I still can't believe he did it again. Like he's, he's had two years in a row. Where he's had where where John like it's John Collins always being like, hey, can we have more ball movement at the end of the quarter? And then Trey Young just turns around and be like, okay, we're gonna have ball movement. I'm just not gonna do anything on offense. And so, like, if there is a concern, I am worried that can Trey Young actually handle somebody getting in his face um, consistently? Because I I don't like Dejounte Murray is a like Dejounte Murray cares about one thing, and that's winning basketball games. Like that dude. He's a fiery guy. Like he's gonna be like he's gonna be in guys' faces all season. And so like on both sides of the ball, and he's gonna demand he's like even more than what Bogey does, because Bogey will do it, but he'll do it on offense. Like 
DeJounte is going to demand the best out of Trey Young consistently. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Trey responds to negative criticism. Because that's 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 been a real concern for him to me as a basketball player. I think that's true, but I also think that Murray is more on a peer level than anyone that he's really played with. He's also someone that Trey very actively recruited and sold him on coming there. So I think that it's a partnership, and I think he'll be more willing to concede to him at times than he was with past teammates. I also think that the way he lost in the playoffs was humbling for him. I think it really painted a clear picture that he needed help. Like he was so successful in his first playoff run and it's not always going to be that easy. And I think that Spolstra and the heat, like they, they really just gave him a lesson in like a lot of different ways. So I think it opened him up to needing more from uh, his teammates. And I think the fashion of that loss is why they really so decisively went out and got Murray. And so I think that there's a maturation that can come from that. So I'm really interested to see how he responds as well. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, I mean, he, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Like I, you, tr- you kind of treat Trey like the given cause he is, I mean, I think the biggest thing that any team is looking for at Hawks fans can attest to this. They haven't had, they didn't have that guy for a long time is that they have the star. And like, I talked to people that that are covering current NBA stars in the same way that we are. And like, everyone seems to always say like the, the thing that, they try to avoid doing is just not talking about the star. Cause like it's, it could be easy to just say, look, Trey's awesome every night and just kind of move on. But it is good to like, kind of look at what he is, uh, what, what he's in for, what's going to be a natural change for, I think this, this offseason, obviously there's a natural spotlight on him alongside Murray and how that, that new change, but um, just not to like undersell how good Trey already has been. And I think that it's a big year for him for sure. I mean, he, he made that, obviously he made all NBA last year for the first time. Um, but so he, he got that recognition, but the team success, I mean, I think Tyler said it earlier, he might've been in the mix for first team if they had won more games last year. And that's, that's part of the, that's part of the thing with all NBA and award stuff is like, um, and even, I mean, I, I know I said this on the show before last year, I said Trey was like a sleepy MVP candidate at, at long odds, but it also, I said at the same time, the Hawks have to win 54 games for him, him to have a chance to do that. And obviously that's not the end of the world to actually be an MVP candidate, but like, it comes with team success too. I mean, his he, his, his one run was. But Brad, playoffs. like to me, with the with the roster and how it's constructed, like he should be shooting to win MVP. Like I don't actually have a problem. Like if he's no, doing that, I still think he I has a chance have... this year for sure. I think he's I think he's a good value again. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's going to take them winning a lot of games because that's what. Unless you're like already in the inner circle, like the honest tier, you have to kind of have a season where your team is really good or you have to have this like absurd individual season but like i'm absurd. Ex- I'm, I'm excluding the winning i'm more talking about trey as an individual player oh sure he needs to be shooting to be the best basketball player in the nba i think like, he that's, is that's how he's wired honestly i mean I, that's how he's wired but like there's a difference it can't be we're on a losing streak and then you have you you give a quote to the media saying well, it's not the playoffs, and so maybe we're kind of like that was a bad moment. That was a like, bad moment, bro. You can't, you can't say that. The the NBA has never been deeper in terms of quality of teams than it has been this year. Like they're legit, might be eighteen, like plus five hundred basketball teams. Like, or even if they don't win five hundred, you know, even if they don't win forty one games, like just their quality of play on a night to night basis. 
like it's going to be a dogfight for seeding. It's going to be a dogfight to not be in the play-in for even the best teams. Like I, like the Celtics, can't, like no team can afford like the you know eight game losing streaks that the Hawks have found themselves in multiple these two seasons. Um, or you might be fighting for the play-in again. So like to me, that comes down to Trey really growing and maturing, like like Andrew said, and really embracing the fact that you know if I. I want to win MVP. I want to show the world that I'm the best player in the world and like really putting his, and like he does that by playing a bit harder on defense. I'm like, I'm not asking him to turn into Chris Paul defensively, but like he can be better than this, but really like offensively, like if he can, if he can find a, a more, a natural balance playing alongside somebody like DeJounte Murray as an offensive player where he's getting two, three points where he's becoming more of a weapon off the ball. Like not, I'm not talking about, Steph Curry like I don't need him to be that but but like more like what Desmond like it's I brought I bring Desmond Bain up here twice but like Bain was really the different like Bain was a really big deal for how the Grizzlies got good so quickly like just his ability to hunt three-pointers off the catch and off of drives from John Morant like like I really think Trey Young could really find himself in a similar role if he's willing to embrace it, like if he's willing to cede some control to DeJounte Murray because he's going to have to on the offensive end. Oh, yeah, he's going to. Um, all right, before I let you guys get out of here, I have to ask you to look ahead a little bit uh, with camp looming. I feel like there's stuff to – there's very obvious stuff to look for in camp and in preseason. It's kind of a weird preseason because they go to Abu Dhabi and those they have these two mid, middle-of-the-day games against the Bucks. That might be a little bit weird. Um, and then they don't have a home game at any point in the preseason. So that's kind of interesting, but uh, I guess we'll go to Andrew first. Like what, what are you looking for? Do you like, is it Jalen Johnson? Is it AJ Griffin? Is it little stuff from Trey and DeJounte as much as they might not play a ton? Like what, what are you, what's, what's, what are you sort of circling now knowing that we're about to be watching basketball in a couple of weeks? Well, I think it's possible the preseason might matter a little bit more than people think. For example, projection models, which include preseason, have been more accurate than projection models that don't. So it might matter a little bit more than people think just for development of habits. Um, the biggest thing for me is I would, I'm curious to know if Bogey's going to play and how he looks. I, I, would lo- I would love to know that answer. I mean, I, I've been <laughs> trying to find out. I mean, I, I feel like every, not to reveal too much, I feel like every week or maybe 10 days, I try to do a roundup and try to talk to people that I know about Bogey and it's kind of the same intel for the last couple months. Like I know there was a, there was that brief video of him shooting kind of standstill jumpers. And that's like, that, that's nothing. I mean, with all due respect, he got excited about that. I was like, uh, he's been shooting jump shots standstill for three months. Like that's not, that's not new. Um, I, I kind of doubt he's going to play the preseason, but we'll see. I mean, I, yeah. the first time we can actually ask him on the record is 10 days from now. So we'll find out more then, but I, I'd love to know that too. So I'm, I'm skeptical. He will as well, but as much as we talk about Hunter being a key player, he also is, is very much up there as well. Um, really. I would like to see that they're going to stagger them. Uh, if they show a commitment to doing uh, staggering them being DeJounte and Trey, if they Aaron show Holiday, that, baby. Yeah. Aaron you're, Holiday, you're, you're guy. guy, your guy, Aaron uh, Holiday. If they show that in preseason, like I just, you know, that would give me comfort to know that they're going to do that during the season. I think they will. I mean, it seems like it's going to be more of a front office mandate and, and Nate's going to have more pressure on him this year, but I would like to see uh, how they, how they handle that. If, if I feel like they're going to uh, really manage their, their splits, I think they could have a more effective bench unit than it might seem on paper. So that's really what I'm looking for other than, you know, potentially bogey playing. Tyler. Uh, 
to me, it's got to be AJ Griffin, uh, just because we haven't seen him play in a, we haven't seen him play basketball, you know, since Duke. Um, he and he and Jalen Johnson, I think, are interesting potential uh, ceiling raisers if they can find themselves into the rotation. Uh, I, I expect Jalen Johnson to be in the rotation consistently, but I mean, like it's not, my, it's not, it's not a lock. I expect yeah, it too. It's, it's not a lock. It's not a lock. And he has real, like he has real concerns um, defensively if he's playing power forward. Like I'd be more comfortable. Like I think Glenn, Glenn talked about this on your podcast. Like I, I'd also be more comfortable with him playing def- like being a small forward defensively uh, instead of a power forward. Like there's just certain help defensive things that he clearly doesn't do um, on that end of the floor. And then on offense, he's just got to, like, I, I'm not actually concerned about his offense as much because if he's on the floor, then you have to just commit to being a transition team. And if you do that, he's going to excel. So that that's like seeing, seeing how he looks uh, coming off that knee injury and then seeing AJ Griffin, like if AJ Griffin could be a potential rotation piece during this season, considering he's such a elite shooter, um, at least elite spot up shooter. Like that, that's what, that's what I'll be looking for in the preseason. The other guys are kind of well-known. Like I'm not really that concerned about how Collins looks or, or Capella looks like as long as they're healthy and they have a clean bill, like we know, like they're certified good basketball players. Um, not uh, apparently not, not as good as Jared Allen, but who, who, who wins <laughs> these days? I was waiting um, for that the entire podcast. So we, we yeah. Got so, so it'll be, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how those two guys look and, and it'll be interesting to see like, how Nate just operates as a coach. Like it, it, is he going to, is he going to not evolve, but, you know, change the way he's coached the team. Cause it, like, like I said before, he's really a slow pace guy. Like that's just how his teams play slow pace, no turnovers type of type of coach. But now he's got two, you know, elite ball handlers or, you know, considering DeJounte Murray at the two is definitely a lead ball for his position. So it'd be interesting to see how, how willing he is to really both push the pace and maybe not call as many plays from the sideline or even have Trey Young call as many plays more, more free flowing offense. Cause I think that's where, that's where you can see John Collins really shining in a combo shine as well as like less structure, more uh, opportunistic post-ups, more opportunistic transition buckets. Like that's really, so that's really what I'll be looking for, like if if Nate's going to change that. But other than that, like it's going to be tough to see too much because I'm, I, you know, preseason preseason is so weird. Like it's just you it don't is, know. And I also, much- yeah, I think that because they're they're going to Abu Dhabi, that's actually throws another wrinkle into it because they could play guys less. They could play guys more. I don't know if like I mean, usually I'm sure the NBA would like those uh, the main guys to play in those games. Uh, they'll be, I think they're gonna be on, on NBA TV, but they're like weird start times and having to go over there, like starting the tr- starting camp early by a few days, having to fly over there, fly back. Uh, it just throws a bunch of wrinkles in. And honestly, I, I bet Nate hates this. I bet Nate McMillan could not want to do anything less than go to Abu Dhabi for a week. <laughs> Cause he's just, he's such a process guy. Like he's such a like routine guy. I, I can't imagine he's loving that, but that's just part of the deal. You got to go do what you do. <laughs> I'll say this. I think it might be good for the chemistry as a team. You know, that is a po- potential positive for sure. I, I know they, they hang out. When, when I played, 
back when I was active as, as a sports guy, you know, I, I used to play football, like long, long trips, like overnight trips or week long trips with the team. Like those are really good bonding moments. So, but then it's Abu Dhabi. I, I, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say too much. So we'll, we'll see what they do over there, but I think it's, <laughs> it could be a good positive bonding moment for them. As Andrew, Andrew, are you going over there for the games? I was going to ask you if you were Brad. How it seemed like something uh, you'd like. No, unless listen, if if some enterprising Hawks fan wants to send me over there on their dime, uh, that's fine. Locked on Network. Uh, all respect to them. They're not sending me to Abu Dhabi. And honestly, I don't. <laughs> I don't think anyone is going to cover the Hawks. Uh, I don't. Th- I think Lauren Williams from the AJC, who is the new beat writer there, I think she tweeted she's not going. Um, currently, the athletic doesn't have anybody on the Hawks, so uh, I think it might just be uh, the TV product. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be a couple of national folks maybe to go on that on that kind of trip. But maybe Eric Name goes to cover the Bucks. Uh, Eric is really good. He might travel with the Bucks because they're you know the Bucks are a recent champion. They're going over there, so maybe we'll have some local coverage. But I can't imagine it's going to be like the uh embed but hey andrew when you want to sell your top shot uh stash go ahead let me uh let me in, let me in on oh, that you, you we'll top shot? You top oh, yeah. shot? well it's it's been a while but uh yeah <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I got it at a good time i give, uh, I, give I, I give andrew grief about all of this nft usage but um but no uh oof, i don't know we're, i think there's got to be at least one like rabbit hawks fan over there he's somebody's just like, going to like so, i guarantee you like he's just so excited yeah. that they're coming yeah. there i mean they announced it so long ago that i bet i'm sure i'm sure there are a handful of hawks fans that are probably that might just be going i mean if, if i had endless money I, i'd love to go it'd be interesting arthur, to see arthur smith might be there uh, full circle back to arthur smith but no i i am going to go to birmingham that's the closest thing the hawks have to a home game in the preseason i am going to go to the birmingham game so i'm going to drive i'm going to drive over there that'll be my uh my one preseason outing but, I might, I might be down there, Brad. I'm, I'm, I'm still considering it. Well, I'm Tyler, there. if you want to, if you want to try to get a credential through the Lots of Hawks podcast, let me know. Um, anyway, well, gentlemen, I cut you for way too long. I appreciate all of this time. We will probably all talk uh, either together or separately between now and the start of the season. But uh, I guess plug yourselves, Tyler. Do you have your usual recommendation list? Anything, mm-hmm. anything you want to share? Uh, so I'm currently not playing this video game, but I. For the past two weeks or plus or so, I've been playing Xenoblade 3. I, it's less I've been playing it, I've been living it. But I've, I'm currently on a break because, like, I, I, like I've, I've played over 150 hours of the game. And I'm pretty sure I'm only, like, I still got a good third or maybe even more than a third of the game left. So I'm really taking my time with that game. Uh, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm watching... And I'm also on Netflix. I'm watching a, a cartoon, not an anime, but a cartoon uh, called Being Puppycat, uh, which if you enjoy, if you're a, if you are a fan of Adventure Time, you're almost certainly going to enjoy this very much the same bone, same same tone, same tenor uh, type of show. It's just, uh, you know, a different uh, different lead who's doing the, doing the show. But it's it's great. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But that's all I got for you. You can follow me at Jonesy2x4 if I allow you to. Yes, Tyler's still locked up, but he might, he might, he might let you. Andrew, anything to plug? Are I you blame people like Arthur Smith's dad. Blame them. <laughs> not my fault. Andrew, do you have anything to plug? Why, why aren't you writing more, Andrew? Come on, I need, I need you back. I need you back writing content about the about the NBA. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's been a pretty long, uh, pretty long break for me. I don't really have uh, anything to plug. I'm pretty much in football mode right now, but I have been, I would say, becoming more optimistic about the Hawks. Not that I was like pessimistic before, but 
I'm probably adding like one or two more wins that I might have had like a month ago. I think there's more upside with the bench than than might seem visible at first, but nothing really going on. But you can follow me, A Kelly, on Twitter, A N D L A N K E L L. Yeah, follow nope. Andrew, follow Tom if he lets you. Go no prism title. What was that? I didn't hear it. No, no Alabama talk. No, no Alabama talk. Oh last man, week. I'm still. Uh, I had, I had to get the defibrillator out on Saturday, so I'm oh, still recovering there. You made it. You made it through. Uh, no, I, I appreciate both of you coming on. Uh, I would recommend people follow both of your uh, accounts for different reasons. Uh, Tyler, a little bit more animated in the course of Hawks basketball. Yeah. Andrew, more even keel, a little bit more numbers based, but uh, a good mixture for the three of us. And I do appreciate both of your contributions to this show and uh, into my life. So thank you very much for doing this podcast. Um, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow us across platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. And we'll see you uh, probably next week, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe sooner. We'll see how that goes. But uh, stay tuned. Subscribe. We'll see you next time.